This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Thank you, Lauren. And good to see you ladies. It's so good. to Thank you for coming out tonight. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Hope and I work on staff here at Anchor Church. All right. Sunday morning, you're at church and you sense God speak to you so clearly through the word. You know, you, you're reminded of your identity as a beloved daughter of the Father's affection for you. And during worship, you sense God there so close to you. You know, and you have such a sense of joy in praising him, of singing and this adoration for who he is. Monday morning, if you're a mum, you're woken up at 5.30 a.m. by your toddler, and then it's just go, go, go from that point, you know, of doing the dishes and changing nappies and getting the kids dressed and trying to get out the door, and you finally drop the kids off at school, and then you stop by a cafe, you grab a takeaway coffee before heading to the park with your littlest one, and you know that the day is just going to go by super fast as you, you know, mind your, mind your kids and do everything else that has to be done in your day. You feel really close to God on Sunday morning, but where is God on Monday morning? You know, to be a Christian is to have a relationship with God. But what does that actually look like day to day, in practice, in every moment of life, not just on Sunday morning or at gospel community on a Wednesday night, but every day of the week, moment by moment, you know, so many of us, we want to feel close to God. You know, we love God and we've followed Jesus for years and years, but we don't know how to be close to God. It's like my sister, she once said, you know, I know that Jesus died for me, but I don't know how to be close to him. I don't know how to relate to him. Maybe you feel that way. You know, how is God relating to us in those small moments of every day, not just the occasional moments, you know, we're at church. And how do we respond to him? Well, this is the issue that Tim Chester is speaking into with his book, Enjoying God, which I highly recommend. So I hope you can all take one home tonight. But in it, he shows us that God, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is relating to each of us in a thousand ways every day more than we perhaps realise, kind of what Robin was talking about, in all these different ways. He shows us what that looks like on the ground and how we can respond, how we can enjoy God more, how we can know and experience him, not just in those occasional moments, but every moment of life. So you can know God more. You can know him more deeply, more intimately. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I want that. Well, if we want to enjoy God more, Chester actually gives us these two insights that he reckons that a lot of Christians often don't get and therefore we don't enjoy our God as much as we could. So I want to just unpack those two insights um, before we get into our topic for tonight. But the first insight, he says that often when we relate to God, we relate to God in general. But that's actually really difficult because God, in his essence, he's so different to us, right? God is infinite and we're finite. He's huge. He's incomprehensible to our our small brains. But the good news is that we can know God, who's unknowable, 
through the persons of God, through the Father and through the Son and through the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot to say about that there, a lot to say there theologically about the Trinity, but the important thing for you to take away is that if you want a richer, deeper relationship with God, think about how each member of the Trinity is relating to you and how you're responding. So think how the Father is relating to you, how the Son is relating to you, and how the Spirit is relating to you, and how you can respond back. So for example, when you read the Bible, you think of how God the Father, he's speaking to you through the Son by the Spirit. Or when you pray, you think of addressing your words to the Father through the Son with the help of the Spirit. Okay, that's the first insight. Relate to each member of the Trinity. But the second insight, he says, is we've got to understand the difference between union and communion. So our union with God and our communion with God. So firstly, union. If you're a Christian, if you put your faith in Jesus, then you're in Christ. You're united to him, right? And it's on that basis that you have a relationship with God. And that's all God's work from start to finish. He chose you. He called you. He granted you faith in his son and thereby he united you to himself. It's all his work. It's all one way. You don't contribute to that at all. And so some of you may be feeling guilty, like Robin said, like, oh, I don't read my Bible enough or I don't pray enough. Well, what you need to hear is that your relationship with God isn't determined by anything that you do. It's all based on what God has done in Christ for you. So you can't somehow undo it. You can't somehow stop being a Christian. So that's union. Okay, so we've got to understand that first. But secondly, there's communion, communion with God. And this is the two-way relationship that we have with God based on our union with Christ. So this is a genuine relationship, a real relationship of giving and receiving. It's like any relationship, what you do in the relationship actually does matter. It impacts your experience of that relationship. So with our union, what we do doesn't matter. With communion with God, what we do does impact it. If you invest in your relationship with God, you can actually reap a deeper, richer relationship with him. Yeah? So... They're the two insights. And over three, over three Friday nights, we're going to think about some of the ways that God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit are relating to us in the everyday moments of life and how we can lean in, how we can respond and therefore enjoy him more. And tonight we're going to look at just one of those ways, one way that God the Father relates to us day by day. But let's pray. I'm going to pray. That was just my setup, ladies. So maybe we need to like jump up and like. <laughs> that was just my setup. So let me just pray. And I'm going to have a speak of water first. All right. Yeah, Father, we yeah, come tonight and we just acknowledge that we want to know you. We want to know you more. We want to understand where you are day to day, what you're doing, what you're up to, and how we can relate to you, how we can be closer to you. 
And I pray, Father, that you would speak now, that you would speak, Father, through your Son, by your Spirit, as you do, and that you would give us revelation of who you are, of how you're working, of how you're relating to us, and how we can enjoy you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So we've already been talking about how, you know, when we're united to Christ, we're in Christ, we have this relationship with him, and we've been adopted, adopted daughters of the Father. Right? It's not news to many of us. But I wonder what your view of God the Father is like. What's your view of God the Father like? If you actually stop and think about it. So for me, I know that even though I know these things to be true about God the Father's character, that he is kind and generous and compassionate and gracious, if I actually stop and think about it, I realise that deep down, my perspective of the Father and the way I think that he views me is with a sense of frustration towards me. I feel like he disapproves of me, that he's angry at me. And often i felt that he has this reluctance to bless me, right? When I'd pray prayers, I had this sense that I was trying to, I had to beg God that maybe with enough prayers, over and over again, I could finally wear down his reluctance and maybe he would bless me, that I had to somehow force his will. That was my sense. Even though I'd know like, oh no, he's my father, he provides for me, he's generous. I'd be like, no, 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 I've got to somehow change his will. I've got to bend his mind. So I wonder what your view of God the Father is like. And you know, so often our view of God the Father is shaped by our own experience of our earthly fathers. And that's not new for many of us either. But maybe your father, when you were growing up, he was pretty distant. Maybe he worked a lot, he wasn't around much, and when he was around, maybe he was really busy, he was always doing projects in the house, like he was always tinkering in the garage, or maybe he watched a lot of TV, and he didn't really spend time with you. He wasn't involved, and you had the sense that he wasn't really interested in you. And so you project that onto God the Father, and you feel that God the Father's not really interested in in you. He doesn't really want to spend time with you. He doesn't want to be involved. He doesn't really want intimacy. He seems distant. Or maybe your dad, he wasn't very good at setting boundaries in your life, and he didn't really discipline you. You know, maybe he was always praising you and complimenting you, and you could do no wrong. And so now, in your relationship with God the Father, when in his wisdom and his love, he disciplines you lovingly, you don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't feel like love. Or maybe you had a dad who really pressured you academically. And he wanted you to succeed, both in your studies, but also in your work, in your career. And you felt that you had to perform for your father's affection. And so with God the Father, you feel like you have to perform to be loved by him. That you have to be perfect to be approved of. Maybe you had a great dad. (laughs) Maybe your dad, you know, you feel like he represented God the Father really well to you. Well, even the best dads will never accurately, fully, completely represent God the Father to us. God is the perfect picture of fatherhood. 
Yeah, he's the, he's the only perfect father. So the question is, what is God the Father truly like? And what's his true disposition toward you and I? Well, you know, I love my younger brother. I've got a photo here. I love my younger brother seeing him. I hope this works. Seeing my brother become a dad. So he's got two kids. He's got a six-year-old who's Ziggy. And this is Lilla, my niece. She's two. And ever since Lilla was born, Rowan's been saying about her, she's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. He says it in this really cutesy voice. She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. <laughs> pretty funny. He says, she's so cute. She's so pretty. She's so beautiful. She's so precious. And when he sees her running around, like he just smiles with this delight and this pride. And he says again, like she's unbelievable. And he picks her up and he puts his nose right into her face and he nuzzles it in there and then he smothers her with kisses. That picture of how Rowan feels about Lilla is how God the Father feels about you. I don't know if you know that. The way that he looks at Lilla, the way that Rowan looks at Lilla is the way that God the Father looks at you with utter delight and joy. And since before the creation of the world, when he thought of you, he's been saying, she's unbelievable. She's so precious. It was in love that he chose to adopt you as his daughter. So what's God the Father's disposition towards you? It's love and it's delight. And he says of you, what he says of his son Jesus, he says, this is my daughter whom I love. With her I am well pleased. God the Father is also ridiculously generous. So look with me at Psalm 65, which Lauren read for us. In Psalm 65, verses 9 to 13. And this is a Thanksgiving psalm written by King, Dave, uh, King David. And in it, David gives us this picture of God's amazing provision. And it's so generous. He's abundantly providing. And all his language is of overflow and abundance. So in verse 9, he says, You visit the, the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. Or look at verse 11. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. In the image that he gives is of God, like a farmer, who's he's driving home his cart after a day's harvest and his cart is so full of grain that it's overflowing, that it's falling onto the track so that people can come by afterwards and pick it up. And David also sees everything coming directly from God's hand. Again, verse 9, he says, You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. You provide their grain. So it says God waters the earth, that the grain grows and there can be this abundant harvest. And then also the, all the grasses of the meadows, they grow and the sheep uh, can feed on it. And in verse 12, he says that God, although the meadows are being clothed with flocks, they're completely covered, there are so many, even more sheep than in New Zealand. <laughs> so yes, you know, we have farmers who will plant our wheat and then 
harvested, and then we have food manufacturers who make pasta, uh, and then we go to the supermarket and we buy it. But David is saying that God is behind all of that. He provides. But he doesn't just provide. He provides abundantly. And in Matthew's Gospel, just like King David, Jesus invites us to see every gift we receive as coming from the Father's hand. So he says, Matthew 6, 25 to 26, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So God the Father, he's loving and he's generous. And one way that the Father is relating to us, moment by moment, each and every day, showing us that he loves us, that he cares for us, is by generously providing for us. And one way that we get to lean in, that we get to respond, that we get to, get to enjoy him more, is by saying thank you. And we can see the generous gifts of God our Father everywhere. Even just think about your morning this morning. When I think about my morning, <laughs> I went out to get a coffee and to look over my talk, and even this 20-minute space of time, I'm walking along the footpath, and I suddenly see these flowers that were still wet from the overnight rain, and there was raindrops on the petals glistening in the morning sunlight. And I started to touch them. And they were like these furry petals, you know, like sheep's ears, like furry, like really weird. And I was like, wow. And then I saw on the road, like these autumn leaves that had fallen, they were wet as well. And these, you know, the autumn trees. And then I went into the cafe and the barista remembered my name. I was like, whoa, you know my name. And then I sat down and had this warm cup of coffee, this large cappuccino. And in the table next to me, there was this, this dad with a little baby on his knee, this little baby boy. And that boy was just staring at me. And I was just like, wow, thank you, God. Like, this and this and this and this and this in 20 minutes. You know, God is blessing us in so many ways all the time. And they might seem like little things, right? Little things like leaves and babies. What about bigger things? You know, in my life, one area that I often experience anxiety, um, which, which Jesus says, you know, do not worry. Well, one area I do worry is when I have to move. I've had to move lots of times. And as a single person, I'm always like, where am I going to live? <laughs> Who will I live with? Will I be able to afford it? Will I be okay? And every single time, I kid you not, you think I'd learned my lesson by now, but God not only provides for me what I need, he provides me what I like. It's crazy. It's even in my current apartment. I always lived there with Jess for a good year. You know, when I went to see it, I knew I needed an apartment where I could host, you know, gospel community and different things at Anchor. And anyway, I went to see it. I knew I liked the suburb. It was Annandale. Moved in. But when I lived there for a bit, I realized it was even better than I thought. I was like, whoa, it faces north. It gets really good sunlight. 
No, seriously. And I was like, oh, the location is even better than I thought. It's like a stone's throw from cafes and walks and places to eat and parks. And I was like, okay, God. I remember Grace came over. I don't remember if Grace remembers this. Grace came over and I said to Grace, like, wow, God doesn't just give us something that we need. He gives us something that we like. And I was like, wow, maybe God does love me. It's like he gets me. He likes, you know, he knows that I like wooden floors and white walls and he knows that I like sunlight and cafes and walks on Glebe foreshore. He knows that. Like, well maybe he does love me. You know, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, but apartments in Annandale, I mean hope, like, what about the people in India that can't afford to live in a really nice place like that? Like What are you saying? Is this just for wealthy middle-class people that God provides, that God is generous to? Clearly, he doesn't provide those gifts to everyone. But the point is that God is generously providing for his children everywhere in a thousand and different ways, in a myriad of different ways, blessing and providing and drawing people into relationship with himself. Many of those things free, like nature and sunshine and friendship and family or maybe you're thinking you know, I don't think I can really enjoy material possessions maybe that thought makes you feel guilty you're not sure how a Christian should relate to material wealth well in the biblical worldview God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people you know he blessed me so that I could bless people like with gospel community and other people blessed me, and that's why I could live there. Um, and also, when we're talking about a perspective shift, that we're seeing these gifts as coming from God. And when we see them as gifts from his hand, we can actually enjoy them more, just as we enjoy them more when we share them. So I shared earlier that, you know, when I prayed, that I had this sense of having to beg God that he didn't really want to bless me, that he was reluctant, that I had to change his mind. And last year, for those of you who are at Anchor, you would know that our vision for 2020 was more of God. You know, not more of God's stuff, but more of God's character, you know, more of his presence. And for me, my more of God's story was God, like, really gently, you know, knocking on my heart, being like, Hope, you actually have the wrong view of me. You actually don't really know who I really am. That that perspective that you have, it's false. Let me show you more of who I really am. And he was showing me that he's actually more generous than I've ever believed. Kinder. Good. And that he doesn't just bless us because we twist his rubber arm, we pray and twist his rubber arm, but because he's generous, he's abundantly generous, it's his delight to provide, it's his delight to provide for his children. So one way that God the Father relates to us day by day, shows us that he loves us, is by providing for us. And one way that we can respond is by saying thank you. So Chester, he suggests a practice. He suggests the practice of gratitude as a way to kind of close that gap between what we know to be true about God but what we feel. And, you know, 
practicing gratitude, there's so many benefits to that that even secular psychologists know. You know, they say, write down five to ten things at the end of the day that you're thankful for, because that really helps with your mental and your physical health. And so we want to practice gratitude, but there's two reasons why. Firstly, when we practice gratitude, we enjoy the gift. You know, our whole society is based around making us feel what we lack, that we don't have enough. You know, I walk into a Broadway shopping centre or I, I go on Instagram and suddenly I feel like, like I need a whole new wardrobe. <laughs> I have new furniture for my apartment and an amazing holiday. But when we practice gratitude and we say thank you for the things that we have, we actually get to enjoy them more. We see what we have, not what we don't have. But even more importantly, when we practice gratitude, our eyes are taken off the gift and onto the giver. So we see God the Father there, that he's behind it all, that he's providing, that he is lovingly caring for us. And so there's an action that Chester suggests that we take, and he says, every day, think of something that you enjoyed, and then pray and say, my Father, thank you for this because it's a lovely gift from you. And so for me, with my apartments, I can say, Father, thank you for this. Thank you for the sunlight and the cafes and you know, the park nearby, because it's a lovely gift from you. Or another smaller example is just about a month ago. It was a Thursday morning, and I'd woken up. I'd been at my computer for a few days straight and driving a lot. And when that happens, I get really tight, really tight shoulders and neck and head and that morning I was pretty grumpy actually and I had to go this training day when I was at this training day I was sitting there and I felt like my head was just going to fall off my neck and roll onto the floor and I just wanted to go and lie down and, or maybe go and get a massage but I couldn't and I ended up going home early because I was out of sorts and we'd had GC the night before at my house and Jenny she'd cooked this delicious curry, spicy lentil curry soup and she had this sourdough bread and she'd left leftovers. And so in that moment, when I was feeling pretty terrible, all I had to do to get lunch was zap the soup in the microwave and pop the sourdough in the toaster and I had this amazing meal in front of me. And I text Jenny, I was like, Jenny, thank you for this. And then I said to God, Father, thank you for this this is a lovely gift from you right when I needed it. And so, back to Monday morning. You're woken up at 5.30am by your toddler and it's just go, go, go from that point of changing nappies and getting the kids dressed and you don't have any time for a quiet time. You're out the door, but you grab that takeaway coffee, you head to the park, you're in the park and you're holding this warm, cup of coffee in your hands and you say thank you father for this is a lovely gift from you so you didn't have time to spend an hour like robin said an hour reading your bible <laughs> praying but there's been a perspective shift now you're aware that god is there lovingly providing for you caring for you and you can respond, you can lean in, and you can enjoy him more by saying, thank you. Let's pray. 
Father, we want to thank you so much for who you are, that you're the perfect Father, that you, you love us, you delight in us, and we know that sometimes it's so hard for us to see that and to understand that. And I pray that you would do a work amongst us, Father, to show us that, to give us deeper revelation and insight into who you are, into how you view us. And thank you, Father, that you are so generous and that it's your delight to bless us. And Father, thank you for all the ways you do this each and every day. I pray you give us the eyes of faith to see that, to see you moment by moment there lovingly caring for us by providing for us, drawing us into intimacy with you, into relationship. And I pray you'd help us to respond. You'd help us to say thank you. And Father, we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.